Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our new website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans, and welcome to episode number 100 of the Peristyle Podcast. And we're going to have probably the best podcast we ever had. It's kind of good timing that we had it on our 100th episode. Today is January 13th, 2010. If you have any questions or comments, you can always drop us an email, podcast at uscfootball.com. Of course, the big topic of the day, Pete Carroll gone. Lane Kiffin, and we're going to talk to a bunch of different people about what we think, everyone thinks about this new hire and what's going on with Pete Carroll up in the Seattle Seahawks, you know, going up there to become the head coach of the Seahawks and go back to the NFL, but we love talking in the first segment, and I know he's going to have some interesting opinions today. Coach Harvey Hyde joining us in a car driving down to Huntington Beach, I think for some surfing lessons or something. Coach, what's going on? No lessons, buddy. No lessons. I'm excited about the hire at USC, so I'm going down to the surface up. I'm going to hit the beach today and get some waves and, and just uh, hit it. I'm in a great mood today, and I want to welcome uh, all of our listeners out there, no matter where you should be. This is a date that you should remember, January the 13th, 2010, with the hiring of Lane uh, Kiffin. And, but before we get started, don't forget to thank Southern California Ticket Service, but I'll get going and I'll forget. That's true. Southern California Tickets, sctickets.com. Those USC tickets might be even a little bit more demand now with the new coaching staff in place. 1-800-888-7287. Concerts, sporting events, theater, of course. You want to get your tickets early for USC next year? You can do that as well. But, Coach, I know. I mean, this was absolutely crazy since we had our show one week ago. And I knew we were going to have a 100th episode, which is which is great, and I'm I'm really happy for us. Hopefully, everyone out there has enjoyed the episodes. Uh, I don't think we could have picked a better time to have our 100th episode when the biggest news we've ever seen at USC, pretty much in the last nine years, occurred this week. I agree with you, uh, Ryan. I really do agree with you. In fact, I won a five dollar bet for one of my best friends. I bet him that Mike Garrett would have his coach in place by 12 midnight on Thursday. He said he wouldn't. So I won a $5 bet. What do you think of that one? But I'm excited about it. Uh, I think it's a great hire. You know it's a great hire when the media can't be all positive about it. So it was a tremendous hire. I think it was a shock hire. I think it stunned the sporting world, not just the FC people, but everybody in college football, uh, every every type of program, the University of Tennessee and some of the problems they had on campus last night with the students and and everything. And and to say, when you're at the University of Tennessee and you say, there's only one place I'd leave to go to, and that's USC, hey, that's making a statement, man. And I tell you, with the staff that came with him, uh, it, it is absolutely fantastic. That was a Heisman Trophy hire by Mike Garrett. Yeah, I definitely uh, applaud Mike Garrett for this one. But let's go back. Let's take a step back first because the big news first was before we found out last night about Lane Kiffin, 
the big news first was Pete Carroll leaving for the NFL, going to the Seattle Seahawks. What was, uh, I mean, that was pretty much shockwaves felt around college football. And Thursday night, you had Alabama winning the national championship. The next day, Friday, Pete Carroll now, you know, the rumors are Pete Carroll is going to leave and go to the Seahawks. It almost took away a lot of the thunder of that national championship game. Uh, but what were your all thoughts when that all started breaking down last Friday and over the weekend? Well, first of all, I enjoyed the game. I thought the game was a little boring, but I thought it was a good game, especially when Colt McCoy got hurt. It sort of took a little bit of the, the uh, you know, fun out of the game because you really don't know what the outcome might have been if Colt McCoy played. But it was a great game and a great uh, atmosphere in the Rose Bowl. Uh, also, uh, when Pete Carroll announced that he was going to go to Seattle, it, it was a, one of those wow statements like Lane Kiffin's hiring. Wow. It sort of hit me uh, with a blow, but I had, I had no, no feeling that he was even looking for a job. But in this situation, if he's happy, and if you, Ryan, if you look at some of the great coaches in history, R. Parsigian at Notre Dame, 10 years, uh, most of the coaches, wherever they have been, uh, I try to think of some of the coaches here in the car while I'm driving. Ten years is the normal amount. John McKay, John Robinson, ten years is the, is the number of years normally a coach stays. There's a point of where you can't do any more. You either retire or you move on. And since Pete Carroll was a young coach coming to USC, he's had many opportunities to leave and go back to the NFL. So if this has been a goal for him and he thinks it's a perfect situation for him, then we should cheer him, allow him to go. And it's a, it now puts a lot more interest back on the FC football program to now see a new face, new coaches, new theories, uh, new recruiting, and, and it brings more life back to a program that everyone assumed every year was going to be 10 and 2, 11 and 1, and now there's that feeling of a new kid on the block. And I think it's good for USC, and I think it's good also for uh, Pete Carroll. Now, and uh, coach, when, when Kiffin, the news came down, we were covering this coaching search all weekend, didn't get much sleep. We had hot boards up there, and Kiffin's name came up, and, uh, you know, we've we were doing radio spots, and it wasn't one that I think anyone really talked about all that much. And uh, I think Mike Eric gets a lot of, <clears throat> excuse me, criticism and and the administration and stuff like that. But I think they did a pretty good job of keeping this kind of under wraps. I mean, it, everyone was focusing on NFL hires and potential guys like John Gruden or Steve Mariucci and stuff like that. But you know, when it came down to it, it seemed like you know they had kind of a, an idea that they wanted to keep this keep the Pete Carroll thing kind of going, and, and Lane Kiffin seems a good fit for that. And I agree with you 100%. You know, a lot of the coaches that people were bringing up names about were all hearsay. They didn't know, and the coaches would say, I haven't been contacted, and some of the coaches may have been contacted, but that doesn't mean they were offered the job and turned down Mike Garrett. Uh, you know, when you look for a head football coach, you call around and you say, would you be interested? I'll put you on my list. If I offered you the job, would you take it? In a lot of those situations, people said yes and people said no. But you have to put a list together. And then also, you don't share that list always with everyone. 
Because you certainly want to protect the people you're talking to. You don't want the school to think you're, you know, trying to tamper with their coach or ruin their recruiting year and, and maybe have the players they've recruited think you're leaving, like the Oregon State situation where the players start to panic. And Mike Riley, from even talking to Mike Garrett, got himself a lifetime contract or a three-year extension. So, you know, he's glad that word got out that he was interested in the USC job. But the USC job is a special job, Ryan. It's one of the greatest coaching jobs in the country. I think you could approach anybody, and that person would be interested in that job, especially if you're a college coach. Now, Lane Kiffin has had the opportunity of being in the NFL. It wasn't a pleasant situation for him, but he was able to do it as a young coach. And when you're a young coach, and if you have a lot of these experiences young, then you know where you want to go and where you want to be. And he obviously said he loves Southern California. He wanted to come back to Southern California. I thought he did a great job at Tennessee. And, you know, today in coaching, it's different than what it used to be. You don't see the Joe Paternos, the Woody Hayes. You don't see that anymore. Bobby Bowden. That's gone. If, uh, or take an example of that. Look at Mike Leach. A year ago, Mike Leach was Texas Tech's hero. Hero. Gave a new extension. Everybody wanted him. And the next year, he's gone. So it's a whole different situation now today. There's two other coaches that happened to this year, too. So you've got to look out for yourself. And if you can advance yourself, Lane Kiffin obviously thought this was a great hire. I think it's a great hire. I never received more phone calls last night from FC people, coaches, and everything talking to me about the hires, the staff hires, the optimism of the recruits, the, the coaches, the players that are there that know Lake Kiffin. They're, they're excited. There couldn't have been a better hire than what Mike Garrett pulled off. And I think he did a miraculous job of keeping it under undercover, but he didn't want to injure Lane Kiffin at Tennessee until it was time for him to make that announcement. Now, speaking of, you talk about the reaction a little bit. I want to go over, like, fan reaction and media reaction. And for, for our let's start with the fan reaction stuff at first. First started breaking, people were jumping off bridges, it seemed like. They didn't, you know, they were like, oh, Lane Kiffin. And I think the staff that he put together and the potential staff that could keep going on with Monty Kiffin as defensive coordinator, Ed Orgeron coming back, even potentially Norm Chow, then I think it kind of settled people down, realizing, wow, they're going to get, these guys are going to be able to recruit. But I, I, the funny thing is that Lane Kiffin wasn't all that popular when he came here. I know there was a lot of talk about when he became offensive coordinator, it was kind of what forced Norm Chow out, and then Norm Chow went to the NFL. And so I think a lot of people kind of blamed Lane Kiffin for Norm Chow not being around the program. And, and I, I actually did a lot of uh, radio stuff in Tennessee when Tennessee hired Lane Kiffin, and I liked Lane a lot when he was at USC. I know there were some fans that, that didn't really like him, but he was always nice to me. He was very cordial. I mean, he would every time I asked for an interview, he would give you one. He was and he would blame himself. Like if the offense didn't do well, he would take you know he would take the blame on himself. He just didn't seem to act like a lot of the people that were throwing stones at him were making him out to be. And even down at the uh, Senior Bowl a few years ago, when he coached the Raiders, um, he was the Senior Bowl coach in Mobile, Alabama, and I went in there and was talking to him for a while, and he remembered me and was just I mean. Just seemed like a, a nice person. Does he have the most outgoing personality in the world? No, but he was just. I just didn't see why people were throwing the kind of stones at him that they were. At least personally, he never kind of acted that way to me. But the fan reaction, I think, initially to get to the point, was bad, and then I think it turned around fairly quickly. Even the Lane Kiffin haters 
seem to like this because of the staff that he's bringing in with him, and they know they're going to be able to hit the ground running with recruiting. Uh, no, I agree with you. I'd say, you know, he was, remember, he was a young kid when he was at USC. Yeah. And he's had a chance to grow up, be a pro coach, and be in one of the hostile, most hostile conferences in the country, the Southeastern Conference, and play there and recruit there. And I think he really did grow up a lot. I think that he's going to be a great hire for SC, and it's always easy for everyone to find negative things about people. You know, instead of saying positive things, uh, media and other people want to look at negative things. I think, I think it's a very positive move. I think that the recruiting aspect is that he's a great recruiter. He had a recruiting staff. In fact, his class at Tennessee was ranked sixth in the country. I don't know if it'll stay there or not before he left, which is unbelievable. He took over program, a program that had dropped down and, and he almost beat Alabama. People forget who he played this year. He, he got beat by Alabama by a blocked field goal the last play of the game. He played other people to great games in the Southeastern Conference his first year there. So he was able to prove himself as far as I'm concerned. I was one that thought he was very young, and, and, uh, and when he was at SC, and, and maybe he shouldn't have been the offensive coordinator at that time when Norm Chow left. But I'm going to tell you, if Norm Chow is willing to come back to USC and be his offensive coordinator, let that be the judge. Don't us judge it. If there's a problem, there's a problem. But if Norm Chow will come back to USC and work under Lane Kiffin, there's no problem. Everybody's making it a problem. That's the way I look at it. No, that, that was shocking to me, too. I thought, well, you know, if Lane Kiffin – you know, the, we talked about the assistants, and I thought that was a big deal in this coaching search that – if someone can get Ed Orgeron, if someone can get um, Norm Chow, I mean, that would really make whoever they hired all that much more special. But if it was a guy like Lane Kiffin, who's kind of known on offense, and, you know, who apparently, you know, you would think that they didn't get along real well because it was kind of Lane forcing out Norm or wherever that was, you wouldn't have, think, you wouldn't have thought that that could have been a possibility. And it, has, it isn't signed yet, um, but it's, the fact that it's a possibility, I think, says volumes for, you know, what – what's going on here because it seems like those people at least, you know, if Norm has faith in Lame, then I think a lot of USC fans should as well. That's exactly what's going to happen. I'll tell you, when you look at that staff currently right now, the way I understand it, is Ed Orgeron is going to be the defensive line coach and the recruiting coordinator. Monty Kiffin's going to be the defensive coordinator, which is, you know, Pete Carroll's teacher. You know, he's the dean of defense. So, I mean, Look at that. I mean, that's unbelievable. The defensive players should get, be excited about this happening. On the offensive side of it, you've got Norm Chow, and you've got an offensive staff that's not with the finish yet. I understand Todd McDare is going to stay. I don't know about the offensive line coach or linebacker coaches or any of that. But I think this is something that you have to look at, the maturity of Lane Kiffin, because Lane Kiffin is not afraid to surround himself around people that are notary. No, people know who they are. They're popular people. They're celebrities in the field of coaching. Some coaches can't do this. I felt it was always my job to get the best coaches I could find to be around me. When you have Ed Orgeron, listen, not only is he a great recruiter and defensive line coach, he was a head coach at Mississippi, and right now Houston Nutt is winning with his players, okay? And there's no question about that. And he's been around the NFL He's been at Tennessee. He's back in the recruiting world. You get a great technician in Monty Kiffin. You get a Norm Chow on your staff. Hey, you're not afraid. You don't have no names surrounding you. 
you got recognizable coaches for home business and media and so on. And I show that as a lot of maturity for a kid that's 34 years old to be able to be smart enough to have those type of people surround his football program. I agree with you 100%, Coach. And I, I know the other thing you wanted to get to as far as some of the media reaction. I mean, I, I'm sure USC fans have been all over. I'm sure you're on uscfootball.com. We've had record traffic <laughs> these last few days. But just, uh, you know, we're putting up a bunch of stories on this. And But th- some of the national media, the way they've reacted to the story, there's been some positives, but I think there's been a lot of negative, even some of the local media in the L.A. Times and stuff like that. What, uh, what, are, what have been your thoughts on how the media has kind of reacted to this hire? Well, I think it's a great hire, but that's the way they're reacting. I think they're shocked, too, and they don't know what to say about it, so they got to point out a few negative things. But I think it's, I think it's a great hire, and uh, they're shocked like everybody else, so they don't know how to react to it. And uh, it's something they really – so the only thing they have to say – about it is they oh he had some infractions and, and he did some things he said some things that he had to apologize for and he's a young kid he's put in a pressure situation he's a recruiter I'm gonna tell you when you recruit hard and you go on the road and you do things and go against some of these other programs you make mistakes there's nobody that's perfect but he's learned to grow up and do it Rick Newhouser made some mistakes but he's back at UCLA doing a great job. I've made mistakes. For people out there that can't understand that people make mistakes, uh, I guess they're that perfect individual I want to meet. So, yeah, they're saying that, oh, the NCAA is really going to be, look at this bad. Who cares what they think? Hey, you got yourself a great program, a great coach. You bring the guy in. He isn't going to bring the Tennessee things with him. He's grown up and known that. And if there's anything that's wrong with the FC program by now, they'd have found out what it is. And so be it. If there is something wrong, fight right through it. You've got a great staff. Face up to it. It's like being fourth and one on the goal line. You know, and, and people can only throw rocks, but they can only throw rocks so long in glass houses because they both live in them. So as far <laughs> as I'm concerned, you've got to move on. You've got to be tough. You've got to overcome some of the negative things. And all of a sudden, you'll find yourself back in the glory of what USC football should be. No, when Coach Kiffin first got to Tennessee, I mean, he got he was known for his mouth, but he put them, you know, on the map by doing that. I don't think he needs to do something like that while he's at USC. USC's already on the map. He doesn't come in here and he doesn't have to make fun of Chip Kelly or Harbaugh. He might, I don't know, but he doesn't have to do that to get national attention. He's going to have it already at USC. So it's a different kind of situation, a situation he's already familiar with. You know, he's familiar with the program. He's got, you know, familiar guys on his staff. I, I just think it sets up pretty well for Kiffin to come in here and, and hit the ground running. Oh, it does. It, it's perfect. And, you know, you don't look back, you look forward. I tell you, Orgeron was in the office the first night. He left immediately to get there. He opens and walks in the door and says, let's get after it. His burly voice. I, I mean, uh, it's, uh, to see that enthusiasm again back. You, you watch the practice field in the spring going to be a whole different atmosphere. You're going to see people getting after it. You're going to see people really working hard. Not that they did before. It'll be the same type of practice uh, because that's where Lane learned it to football from. And remember when Pete Carroll was hired, everybody kept saying, oh, it's Mike Garrett's fourth choice. It's Mike Garrett's fourth choice. And then all of a sudden, his fourth choice turned out to, to be pretty good. So, you know, it's great to 
to be negative, but, you know, you've you got to be positive, and I think this is a great hire. It's stunned the coaching world, and whenever you stun the coaching world like this, I tell you, then you know it's a great hire. I agree with you, Coach. Well, let's, you mentioned the practices and stuff. Let's talk about that. I was talking to a couple of the beat writers, and, and even, uh, you know, we were on the radio, on ESPN Radio locally here um, a couple of days ago, just doing a, doing a show talking about Pete Carroll leaving. And I, I think a lot of people felt this last year, at least maybe the last year, maybe a little longer than that. Practices looked a little different. Pete Carroll looked a little different. It just seemed like there wasn't the same kind of intensity and fight in Pete Carroll as there was before, you know, and there was a, a, Arash uh, had a good article on, uh, uh, I think it was ESPN Los Angeles that he talked to some of the former players and he said, you know, I'm seeing guys, players, you know, like young players that are like talking to fans in the stands and they're, they're acting a little looser at the games because we could never have gotten away with that when we were at USC. And that's what some of the former players were saying. It seemed like the atmosphere kind of changed a little bit. Maybe it's because it's the end of that, you know, eight, nine, 10 year run, whatever it is. It's, it, you know, it's hard. And the staff is a different staff now than what he brought in. I mean, you don't have the, the guys that are like on Lane Kiffin's staff. I don't think you have those kind of guys anymore on, on what, you know, what Pete Carroll's staff was there. But it seems to me like the, this might be a kind of shot in the arm to the program where you're getting some of these, super intense assistant coaches back. And I think you could get the pro. I think the fans want to see this program get back to the way it was. Not that it was bad, but they would love to see it back the way it was 2003, 2004, 2005, stuff like that. Oh, no, I agree with you. And I tell you, you know, sometimes you don't surround yourself with enough enforcers and kids get away with things. You remember kids are kids. Kids will get away with anything that they can get away with until you spank them. So, and they got to know rules. You don't have to have a lot of rules, but the ones you have, you got to enforce. And, you know, sometimes when you're young and real young, you become the player's buddy, and, and it's hard to be a disciplinarian. Or when they tell, when you tell them line up over there, you don't tell them when you want to. You tell them now. And there's different ways of doing that with respect. And I think that sometimes, uh, you know, you get tired of doing it all. And I think what happened to Pete Carroll and he won a coach he was at USC, is I think he got tired of trying to do it all. And he was doing so much in the community, outside the community, with his foundations and a better way and army and all the things he was involved in writing books, that sometimes you just burn yourself out. And you get tired of teaching the coaches to teach the players. You know, he got wiped out last year with five or six members of his coaching staff they went to Washington. That's a huge hit on you when you bring in new players, new play callers, make a new offensive coordinator. And, you know, you got to stay on top of all that. And after a while, you just say, man, I've had it. And I heard it in his conference at Seattle when he said, you know, it's a little different up here. I don't have 100 players. I have 53. These players here go to work in the morning. They're not trying to stay eligible, and we're not, they're not trying to go to class. And I think a lot of that after a while catches up to you and you say, you know, I just don't feel like doing that anymore. And I think that's what got to him, and I think he got a great pay rate. You look at that, a positive thing, and he has another opportunity, as he said, I've grown up a lot. I've learned a lot at USD, and at Seattle I'm going to imply that. Yeah, that, there was a lot of talk this week about the schedules for NFL coaches as opposed to college coaches, and it's hard I mean, you've coached in college. 
it doesn't seem like there's any time off. If you're not coaching the team, you're recruiting, and it just seems like it goes along all year long. Where in the NFL, I mean, obviously there's some long hours there, but you do have, it seems like there's more dead time. There's more time off when the off season's going on as opposed to, I mean, in college, it's like you're the general manager, the president, and the and the coach because you're bringing in all the players with recruiting. So it seems like the grind for college coaches, even though they're not getting paid as much, is a little bit better than it is in the NFL. Yes, and remember, in the NFL, you have a personnel department. It goes out and evaluates all the players for you, does everything, and they put together a draft list, agreed on it, and so on, while you're coaching during the regular season. There's colleges now that are playing 13, 14 games. In the NFL, there's only 16 games. They're playing two less games than what they play in the NFL. And yet they still have spring practice, recruiting, they have academics, they have summer camps. They do all these type of things, take up a lot of time. So, you know, you've got to have the will. It's a young man's game. And you've got to have a great staff that you trust, that if you're away, that the program is in good hands. And I don't know if last year Pete Carroll felt that when he when he was away, just what position the the team was in when when he was gone. Because Sarkeesian, some of these guys that were there in the past had been with him a long time, and he knew that they were in control of the program. Now he had a lot of new guys that hadn't been there that long and wouldn't know what the decisions that he would make on certain things. So you know that happens. So you know I'm happy for Pete Carroll. He's back where he should be. He loves it up there. He's at a great 97 and what, 97 and 19 or something like that. I think that's the greatest of all time. And now he's going to Seattle, and someone else gets to come in and carry on with the tradition. I think it's a great staff, great hire, and people can say what they want about whatever, but Mike Garrett did it, and that was a Heisman Trophy hire. I, I agree with you 100%, Coach. And the, the big thing for me with Pete Carroll, 16-2. and two versus UCLA and Notre Dame. I mean, there's so many years where losing streaks against your arch rival. Pete Carroll, you can say all the stuff Pete Carroll did, but those important games, besides even the BCS games, those important games, he changed that. He beat the crap out of his rivals, and I think that's one of the things that USC fans should remember for a long time. And they will. They will. They will because uh, he's part of the community, and he'll keep his home uh, here in Southern California. He won't coach forever, and when it's all over with, eventually he'll probably live in Southern California and be an FC fan, as he said. So uh, it's been a great time with Pete Carroll, and now it's going to be a great time with Lane Kiffin. All right, Coach. Well, we're going to let you get to your uh, surfing lessons down there and uh, have a good time down at Huntington Beach. Thanks for uh, being a part of I think, almost every episode, 100 episodes. It's been, uh, I'm glad we got to do the 100th episode this way. This is going to be a lot of fun. But thanks again for joining us, Coach. Thank you very much. Remember the date, January 13th, a 2010. <laughs> a day that will live in a new era. <laughs> new era of USC football. Thanks again, Coach. Enjoy your time down in Huntington. Thank you, and thanks, Southern California Tickets. SCTickets.com. Thank you, guys. Back in 30 seconds, we're going to talk to Dan Weike more about this big hire. Meet us on the other side of the break for more of the Peristyle Podcast. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. 
or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. We now return to the Peristyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. Welcome back to the Peristyle Podcast. We are joined by uscfootball.com beat writer Dan Wykey. Dan, how are you doing? Coming to you live from my Buick Rendezvous. Very exciting, Ryan. Yeah, on his way down to Heritage Hall. Is, uh, like we said, it's today's Wednesday, January 13th, 2010, and uh, USC is going to hold a press conference at 4 p.m. local time, and all of us from the uscfootball.com staff will be down there, so we're taping the podcast uh, in the morning, and uh, we'll get to you know it'll be up just after lunchtime or so. Uh, well, anyway, Dan, maybe just get your overall thoughts on what's been going on. It's been a crazy four or five days. Bombshell, um, bombshell, bombshell, bombshell. Pete Carroll leaving, bombshell. Um, Jack Del Rio being a coach, bombshell. Jack Del Rio not being a coach, bombshell. You know, it's been it is it's been nuts, and I think the biggest surprise out of everything that's happened over the past I don't know since Friday has to be the return of Lane Kiffin to USC. It was something that I mean, we talked about it as a possibility, and, and we just didn't see it happening. And then kind of, you know, as it got closer and closer, it, it started to kind of creep back in as a, a possibility. We um, we had kind of known that there were some talks to bring Ed Orton back into the mix, maybe some talks to bring Norm Chow back into the mix. But but Kiffin, too, and then Monty Kiffin, I mean, it's really, really, really shocking. And I think shocking in a good way. Yeah, certainly shocking in a good way. I think the initial fan reaction, you were on the message boards. There were some really upset and irate fans. Lane Kiffin, you know, they wanted a big name kind of guy. But once they started to realize the staff that was getting put together, it seemed to change things. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Uh, you know, it's, almost, it's, it's almost not so much about Lane. I mean, and, and I don't want to say that in a, in a negative way. I mean, because obviously you don't get Monty Kiffin if you don't have Lane. You know, who knows what other parts of the you, you get, you know, whether or not you have Lane with you or not. Um, it's in terms of a buzz higher, um, an A+. plus. I, I'm not sure, if, you know, unless they had managed Tony Dungy or something like that, how they could possibly get this kind of publicity. Um, and really, you know, especially after after the, the surprise and the shock of Pete Carroll leaving, to, to do something like this, um, it screams continuity, and at the same time, it's also it also screams sort of like a return to, to what was with some new blood, too. It, it, it's really a unique combination of feelings and emotions, and, and I think USC fans should be, uh, to, to borrow a phrase from uh, Pete Carroll, should be jacked. <laughs> it's marvelous, marvelous. Well, it should be a lot of interest, interesting stuff going on in the next few days. We'll find out what's going on. We have a... Uh, question from our friend richard an audio question dan this is rich in capo beach question is for dan and ryan hey guys uh i know this is a real obvious question but what were the chain of events that that happened with lane kiffin being hired as, as the head coach uh i i was just completely shocked by that and then hearing who the assistants were i think i was even more shocked uh, this is probably the best group of assistants ever in college football, or maybe I'm just still excited. Love to hear, uh, love to hear the behind the scenes, guys. Thanks again. 
our audio man we the hundredth episode we get an audio question which we love we love those kind of things this, this is the hundredth episode too this is the one hundredth episode Dan <laughs> I think you're behind this higher then you you made sure this would all happen for number one hundred yeah before we you get evil genius before we get to Richard's question let me uh where was it uh Andy uh, uh, this Andy wrote me and he said this must be this shows what power uscfootball.com has. Just for the 100th episode, we forced Carol to unexpectedly unexpectedly resign, and that was he emailed me that before Lane Kiffin was hired. And I'm like, Andy, we we pulled a lot of strings, and not only that, but we got Lane Kiffin back for yeah. you guys, just for the hundredth episode. I've been on the phone with Paul Allen for for months, <laughs> putting this into. I know he's a guy. Even though I'm a Mac user, me and Paul are pretty tight, yeah. and uh, <laughs> it, was, it was it was it was something special. No, to answer that question, um, based on what I've been able to put together here in the last 24 hours, it seems like. That I mean, was obviously interested in this job as soon as it became open and, and, and reached out to USC um, almost as fast as Mike Garrett reached out to him. I, I Like I said, I think that the assistant coaches were in place, or at least the idea to, to sort of, I don't know, it seems almost hokey to say it now, but to get the band back together, to get those guys back was, was sort of the original plan. And then as this process moved on and after they talked to some NFL people, you know, the, I think the idea became clear that okay, well, we're going to go in this direction. We're going to we're going to go with a huge big name hire in terms of recruiting. I, I mean, obviously, recruiting was such a, an integral part of this d- decision. Um, Mike Garrett knows what kind of what kind of class USC had um, sort of on, on, on hook already, and really just delivered a knockout punch, I think, to to anybody else trying to recruit national talent this year by bringing in just such a powerful recruiting coaching staff. And I really think that was sort of the impetus for, the, for this hire, and that's kind of how it went. Um, should know more on that, Richard, as the, the day unfolds, and uh, you know, I'll be posting stuff as, as I hear it. All right, thanks for that one, uh, Richard. Dan, uh, Lane Kiffin, pretty much a big surprise. Everyone you know, kind of knew that. There's a guy on his staff that I know you became close with while you were covering the Old Miss team, uh, Ed Orgeron. Maybe share a few thoughts on, what, on good old Eddie O. You know, um, I wrote this that I never thought I would see him again. Like, I mean, I'd see him on TV like that. Um, but I never thought I would, uh, you know, get to hear that gravelly voice again. Or, you know, it's weird. Maybe, you know, it's absence makes the heart grow stronger. I think that it was, more, as a head coach, I'm, I'm just not sure that that's at forte. Um, at least not at Ole Miss. It just wasn't right. Um, and, you know, he struggled. There's no doubt he struggled. But even in those struggles, obviously he amassed a ton of talent, enough talent where, you know, a new head coach could come in and could win right away. And, and so I think that vindicates some of what he was doing. I also think that if you look at positionally the guys that, that he helped produce and the guys that he helped recruit and unearth, guys like Patrick Willis is a guy that really, really flourished under Orgeron. Um, you know, Parade Jerry was a first-round pick. Greg Hardy had a, a remarkable pass-rushing career as a defensive end. Uh, control Lockett. I mean, these are all guys that are going to be NFL players on the defensive line where that's where Ed's forte is. So, and then not to mention, I mean, he's, he's the guy who found Dexter McCluster. I mean, that staff, you know, found a, a, a little 5'8 dude named Dexter McCluster who turned out to be one of the most exciting players in college football this season. So, you know, I mean, my memories of him were, were you know, obviously the voice, the, the persona, um, just – the intensity, the way he recruits, 
uh, those are things that you know. I mean, you 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 could never get you could never get angry with him because you knew he was always trying, and, and that's gonna be. I mean, now that he's in this position, I think a much more comfortable role. You know, where he doesn't have to be that coach. I, I would bring him to just have just a monster offseason, and, and really to go out and, and maybe try and flip some guys. Um, I would not be surprised if Ronald Powell gets a call from any O pretty soon. That could and, happen. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? That's something that's going to happen. Yeah, I think there's a lot of uh, recruits back on the table, and we we'll we'll, uh, we'll talk some recruiting in the next segment a little bit. But yeah, certainly. Um, Ed Orgeron just brings a presence back. And Lane Kiffin was able to recruit really well, too. I mean, he got a lot of guys from out of state, you know, from you know uh, Mike Williams and uh, Keith Rivers and guys like that to come to USC. I think, you know, that might be able to – he might be able to carry over the thing that Pete Carroll did so well is getting some of those big-name guys from out of state to come to USC. Now, I don't know now. Maybe the entire SEC country, you know, part of the country hates Lane Kiffin, so it might have a hard time. But uh, he he was the entire able... part of the SEC hated USC though already. I mean that's that's kind of the fun part of this that made me kind of excited. Is it's sort of like USC has kind of entered that realm of like a bad guy wrestler. Yeah, big a little time. bit. Where like like Hulk where, Hogan, you know, your fan base like yeah, Hulk Hogan switching sides or whatever. Yeah, we're, I mean people still love Hulk Hogan, so those people are going to cheer for him whether he's good or bad or whatever. But everyone else is going to boom and throw a beer at him. And, and like that's that's kind of what I feel like that that's going to be the reaction to USC, and I think that's fun and that's good. I mean, when you're doing things right, like people either love you or hate you, and, and that's that's where they're at, and that's why I think this hire is I I hate to say genius with in this situation, but I I feel like it is genius. It, it's brilliant. I mean, it, it, it USC football. Um, I don't want to say back on the map because they never felt you know the program never fell off the map but it's it just re, it re-energized the program as a whole and, and the perception of the program yeah and, and lane kiffin leaving a absolute you know wave wave of destruction in his in his wake in uh, knoxville and uh, you know it, it hit close to home for me for my fiance who lives uh with me uh, is a Tennessee grad and big-time Tennessee fan, went to their 98 national championship game at the Fiesta Bowl. And, you know, this. she was texting me saying, this can't be true, this can't be true. And, you know, she's a pretty rational person. Were you guys but, in the same room? No, she was at you home. Were together? She, she texted me. No, oh, she was okay. at work. And, uh, you know, I was working I at home. I thought maybe you guys had a fight or something like that, and she wasn't speaking to you, but she was still texting you. No, no, she's been very supportive, like, these last four days where I pretty much just worked 24 hours a day and didn't shower <laughs> um, nice. but but then this kind of really devastated her and uh and, and she's pretty rational as far as the people in knoxville i mean the there's some funny youtube videos of guys burnt you know just swearing their at you know just swearing and swearing about lane kiffin burning Ooh. his stuff good catch yeah it was uh lots of uh i don't think we have a an sec or whatever we can probably say whatever we want because it's a podcast but try to keep it a family show yeah, they were turning their asses up, Ryan. I'll, I'll, I'll take the bullet for you. They were. And uh, there's, you know, there's bur- <laughs> burning mattresses. There's tear gas used. I mean, people are upset. I mean, ten- there, there's this rock. I don't remember what it's called, but they always paint, like, sayings and stuff on this rock. And it's kind of a tradition. And I got to go see a couple games in Knoxville and saw, saw Lane Kiffin actually perform really well against Georgia this year. I mean, they played – Jonathan Crompton played probably his best game, and they – 
they played really well. It was kind of the Tennessee's coming out party. They started playing a lot better when they played Florida tough and they played Alabama to almost a victory and stuff. But this rock had some really nasty things said about Lane Kiffin. I think they put his cell phone up on there. And so Lane might be getting a new cell phone pretty soon. It was still a 310 number, by the way. So maybe that's part of the reason Lane's coming back. But all of this, I mean, it just seems to be he's left destruction in Knoxville. I mean, what, what were your thoughts of seeing their fan reaction to that? Well, as a former Michigan State student, Ryan, you know I appreciate a good riot now and then. <laughs> and uh, and that, that was similar. I was wondering, did Janet burn any of your couches or anything like that? No, she didn't no. throw anything out the window, did she? We have one in storage. I don't know. Maybe she went to the storage room and burned her old couch. I'm not sure. <laughs> so, I mean, no. I mean, it, it, it's, I think the, it's the cultural difference between USC and, and, and Tennessee is that, you know, I think USC fans would get upset, but – they, I don't know that they would react that way. I mean, like they're not gonna like march or anything like that, like 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 the Tennessee fans did, uh, and you know go after the stadium and try to tear down a football stadium. I mean, it's <laughs> and and really I think what that shows is I mean those people had bought into what Lane was selling and were devastated by the fact that he left. Now I think, I mean, yeah, you feel a little bad for them, but in this situation, I mean kind of got to just be like, who cares? Um, you know, you had to, USC had to look out for itself, and, and they did a good job of that. And like I said, I mean, they, they, they shocked really the college football world um, by, by just doing this. And really, I mean, if, if you if you watch sports on there last night, or I mean, if you look at my sports, I mean, just an explosion of opinions and, and reaction. And, oh, man, it's great. That's that's. That's exactly what you want to do when you hire a new head coach. I mean, let's just say it was Steve Mariucci, all right? A guy who I like and I thought would have been a a fine coach. But, I mean, I I don't think anybody at the NFL Network would have torched anything. (laughs) No, probably not. It's a little different. I I feel bad. I really do. I don't think think Mike Mayock would have uh, (laughs) had a screen and punched a hole in it. I think probably, you know, I mean, and I don't think USC fans would be, they'd be excited, but they wouldn't feel like this. Right. No. And I, but I do feel bad. I don't think USC fans, we have some real passionate fans here for, for USC, but it's not the same kind of thing where it's ingrained in your head where, I mean, you, you're grown up, your kids are taught this and it, it certainly happens, but there are definitely people that aren't of, uh, you know, uh, college material that are still diehard Tennessee fans just because of the area you live in nice. and stuff. And, nice. <laughs> Um, and I and I do feel bad, not just because my fiance went to Tennessee, but I, you know it's. I, I think Lane really got them fired up, and and they took a chance on Lane Kiffin, you know, and uh, I, I think he did well. I mean, he had a, a top ten recruiting class in place. Um, you know, he he definitely won some games. I don't think they would have won last year, and was very competitive, and got them going in the right direction. So I think they bought into Lane, and uh, I don't know if they're going to be buying into a, an outsider per se anytime soon. I mean, there's talk of Phil Fulmer coming back, maybe being the athletic director, maybe being the coach, at least for a while. Um, You know, I I hope that program kind of gets back on their feet, not just because of my personal well-being in the house where I live with a Tennessee fan, but you just don't, you don't want to see anything bad happen. Those, they're nice fans down there and they're very passionate and it's a great program. And I love, you know, the Rocky Top uh, fight song and all that stuff. So you hope you wish them well down there, but you got to look forward to what USC has and the staff he has, and it's going to be great. You know, I think it'll be a great times ahead. Well, I mean, since, you know, since USC took everything else from Tennessee, I thought that 
you know, the, the Trojan marching band is taking Rocky Top, too. That was the deal or no? <laughs> Can you imagine they play Rocky Top at a halftime or something? Oh. I don't think I don't think that would go over well. No, it's 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 seriously like I said. I, I'm tickled. I think it's fun, and it's um, it's stories like this that, that I mean, people are people are upset, and, and there are people who have very strong opinions about this um, that that don't think Lane deserves this job or this chance because you know his I mean his record as a head coach isn't stellar by any by any stretch, but he he's never had talent like this, and, and you know he's never. I mean that's the biggest thing. He's never had this kind of talent, and really that's going to be that's going to be the biggest differences. I mean, they, they could go look into next year. I mean, we talked before about how they could maybe you know make a run at one through six on the on the Rivals one hundred. Um, let's let's just blow that out to one through fifteen now. Seriously, <laughs> I mean I I don't know. I don't. I know they'll try. They'll try to go get everybody. And that's and that's one thing that I'm going to like about the staff, and that's one thing I think everybody should like about the staff is they they'll, they'll be fearless in recruiting. They'll go after whoever. No, and I think that's absolutely right. But here's the thing: here's the linchpin, and uh, there's some real Kiffin haters that were on USCFootball.com, and a lot of those haters were hating on Kiffin because they felt that he was the reason Chow left. Felt that they felt that Chow was forced out. Whatever you want to say. I mean, that's, that's under the bridge. But even some of those people had to be bought over when the talks of Norm Chow may return. And there's, you know, apparently talks and stuff going on now. We'll, you know, we'll probably know something over the next couple of days. We might know something today. It might not be till the weekend. Who knows? But that, to me, it didn't seem like those two guys would have got along all that well while they were at USC or if there was any animosity between them, if Chow felt that, you know, Kiffin was the reason he had to go. Whatever it was, if Pete was treating Lane differently, you can say, say whatever you want. But the potential of Chow coming back makes this like super all-star, you know, roster of coaches go even just beyond what you could imagine. I mean, what are your thoughts on Chow? I mean, I, I think it's amazing. I mean, I think it, it's something that, you know, probably I don't know if it could have happened had Pete Carroll stayed and. I think so now it, it appeases that part of the fan base that, you know, kind of sided with, with Norm over that disagreement. And at the same time, I mean, you, you bring back a guy who had his, his best success ever in his career was at USC. Now you, now he's back in that position again with, a, a, you know, an exciting young quarterback, you know, exciting young receivers. Um, I mean, running backs. I mean, he's going to have so many weapons. And, and it's it's going to be fun. I mean, you know, that's and, and I think another kind of fun part, you touched on this a little bit, is like I'm not 100% sure how much this staff is like each other. You know, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I, I'm, I don't know. Like you said, I mean, there, there's definitely, there's a ton of egos and stuff like that, but it sort of reminds me a little bit of like, you know, almost, almost like their team in a weird way where, you know, okay, you guys just come together for a singular goal. And, and, you know, all those egos are put aside because the only thing that matters is winning. And, and you don't worry about that stuff. And, and you know, you try to outcoach and out-recruit the guys that you're working with because everybody forces everybody else to, to operate on a higher level. And I think there'll be some of that for sure. Uh, well, now, what have you heard about some of the, the current staff? I mean, there's there was talk of Tim Davis coming from, uh, I think he's with the Vikings right now. He used to be the offensive line coach 
uh, before Pat Rule. Um, you know, Jethro Franklin, obviously with Orgeron, it's going to be a little tougher. I, I, I'm sure there's still a chance. Brendan Carroll, Pete's son. Uh, you know, what are your thoughts on the, the guys that are left behind? It looks like Chris Carlisle is going to probably stay on, so that's a big deal, the strength and conditioning coach. But what are your thoughts of the other guys on the staff? You know, I think they're all going to be interviewing for their jobs. I mean, if there's an opening spot, I don't think anything's certain. And I think, again, that any sense of complacency or anything that anybody ever had is, is going to be – is going to be questioned and you're going to have to you're going to have to deal w- with change and it's going to be it's going to be nuts um so i don't know that's exciting yeah there's a i mean there's a lot more to this story obviously the big pieces are in place but what's going to go on with everything else in the support staff and i i think maybe one of the more important things is because kiffin has been here i think things are going to kind of continue on not exactly the way they were under Pete Carroll, but it's not going to be some drastic change where, you know, people know who Lane Kiffin is, you know, they they know, you know, the way he does things. And I think he knows the way everything's done at USC and I'm sure he'll have his own twist on things, but I think, you know, you'll see a lot of things kind of going along the way they went before. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's huge. I mean, that's what I was saying before about the continuity aspect, which is good. Is that, you know, you're not going to be installing a crazy new offense. It's not going to be, you know, a crazy new defense. They're they're going to be. I mean, they're going to be doing new things for sure. But they're elements of what USC's already been doing, and, and that's that's good. And it's just, you know, sometimes it's, you know, the message might be the same, but it's almost like a new a new way of delivering it. And and I think sometimes you need that, and sometimes that's good. And, and really, that's what I expect to come out of this um, moving forward. I mean, like I said, I mean, did I tell you I was shocked by this? By the way, you shocked? Did we, did we we get that? We covered that. We're I think we did. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I'm still I'm still reeling. So, I mean, it's something that I think, like I said, on a lot of levels it hits. Um, whether or not this translates into wins or losses on the field certainly remains to be seen. But in terms of positioning them, I'm sorry, positioning themselves for success, I mean, I don't know how this program could have done better. No, I I agree with you there. There's a lot, a lot to consider. I think uh, for USC fans, one of the I guess one of the nice parts about covering this team, we've been able to cover it for a while, is uh, the openness of the way practices are run and the way the kind of team is run. This was Pete Carroll's philosophy, but I think even USC kind of did this a little bit on their own. There's, you can go to practice. If you're a fan, you can go and check out practice. Uh, you can, um, as For the media, you can talk to whoever you want at practice. Sometimes they have a couple of restrictions, but assistant coaches, players, everybody is. Uh, on the table. I mean, you're allowed to do this kind of stuff. They they kind of give the players a little bit of freedom to kind of learn what it is to do to you know speak with the media, do interviews. They get coached up for sure. I mean, they get talked about what you should say and what you can't say. But it, it just kind of has this open door policy with the program, and I think it allows the fans here to get close to it and and you know get closer to the program. Mm-hmm. Pete Carroll will sign autographs and do everything after practice. There, there's always some sort of charity or high school or elementary school, like kids are down there at practice. There's a lot of openness to it. And I think there was a fear, uh, maybe, you know, in some of the fans and some of the media that that would all change. I, I'm not saying that Lane Kiffin's going to keep everything the same, but it sounds like, you know, just from what he's done before, he's known the way it's worked. There's a good chance that people can come in and get autographs and watch practice again. And it seems like that continuity is going to be there. Yeah, no, I mean, by all accounts, it does. I mean, this is a, a staff that's incredibly familiar with 
the way things, how things worked when things were at their best at USC. And I mean, it would be foolish to, to differentiate for that. But to an extent now, I, I do want to say this though. I think it is important for Lane Kiffin not to come in and, and to try to be Pete Carroll. I think that's a mistake. I know, I know there are some similarities, but I mean, he's got to be his own guy and do his own thing. But judging by what we've seen from Lane Kiffin over the past year or so, I don't think that's going to be a problem. No, he's definitely has uh, done his own thing. Um, the Monty Kiffin aspect, and I, I don't know, you know, it, it's going to be a little different, I think, uh, than what, you know, he basically taught Pete Carroll what Pete Carroll knows about defense. Um, and Monty Kiffin had to make an adjustment going to the college ranks, you know, from last year. So I think we might even get a little bit better of a Monty Kiffin than what we saw last year at Tennessee, just because now he has a year under his belt knowing, you know, there's differences in the college and program and stuff. And, uh, you know, it's, I think that year under yeah, Tennessee will help. That's Jeremy Bates. Yeah, <laughs> Jeremy Bates. Well, Jeremy Bates gets to go back to uh, the NFL. But, you know, I think another year under his belt in college should only help him this year at USC. No doubt. I mean, like, again, that's like the icing on this. Because like we said before that, you know, there was, we had heard the chance of Norm. And we had heard that Ed was in the mix, you know. But to get Monty, too, is like, wow. I mean, now, now, you know, I talked to one player last night about this, and he's like, you know, we got the best recruiter of all time. We got the best defensive coordinator of all time. We got the best offensive coordinator of all time. I mean, these guys know who these people are. There's no doubt. I mean, if you follow football, how do you not? You know what I mean? And and it, there's just so much buzz and so much celebrity that goes along with these guys, and their reputations are so huge that that, I mean – like, yeah, I mean, there's pressure on them to produce. There's no doubt. And, I mean, if this recruiting class stinks, which I don't think it will, but let's just say that happens somehow, you know, there's going to be pressure, and Ed's going to hear it, and Lane's going to hear it. And if this defense doesn't do well, Monty, there'll be pressure. But no one expects that because these guys have they've produced at every stop in their career. And one last thing, Dan, before we let you go. we We got a lot of – tips and you get a lot of information from people that we know, you know, sources that you have in the program or boosters or whatever. You end up talking to a lot of people when this search was going on. I mean, our phones were just kind of blowing up and emails and all that kind of stuff. One of the common themes was definitely the assistant coach part. And it seemed to be no matter who USC was talking about, it seemed to be Chow and Orgeron were, were in the mix. You know, maybe if it was a complete defensive guru, Orgeron wouldn't have been, or an offensive guru, maybe not Chow, but it just seemed like those names came up over and over. It was almost like some sort of package deal was trying to be put into place where let's find out you know, who USC can get for a, a head coach, but it would be better if Chow and Orgeron returned. Did, did you hear a lot of that going on? Yeah, that, that, yeah. I mean, I think that those guys were kind of the constants in the search was finding people almost to work around them, which is, you know, I mean, goes back to what Pete Carroll said in his farewell press conference too, is that he wouldn't have been able to do what he did without his assistants and without his staff. So he was able to make those moves and do those things because, you know, I mean, because he surrounded himself with good people. And what did we talk about as a reason for why they struggled this year? You know, staff erosion was a huge factor. And, and now, I mean, you bring in an incredibly experienced, you know, staff that, that knows how to win college football games and, and knows how to win football on a ton of different levels. So, I think, really, I think that was a, a really good way to go at it. And I think a lot of credit goes to our posters. I, I think they did a, a – I mean, there were people who knew what was going on for sure. 
Yeah, I mean, there's lots of prove it. Yeah, there was, <laughs> certainly. All right. Well, thank you, Dan, for uh, sharing your thoughts. It's great. It's been a crazy four or five days. It's going to keep getting crazier all the way up through signing day. I mean, I think this is going to invigorate a lot of the USC fans because of what can happen uh, this signing day. I mean, there's just a lot more potential now, even though when Pete Carroll was there. I mean, Pete Carroll was just constant. Now it's new. It's different. You kind of jump, you know, you're jump starting the whole recruiting process again with three weeks left till signing day. But anyway, Dan, thanks again, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you next week. Sounds good, Ryan. All right, everyone else, we're going to talk a little recruiting in the next segment, our 100th episode of the Peristyle Podcast. Stay tuned. You are listening to the Peristyle Podcast from Los Angeles, California. USC Trojan fans, to get into the huddle of your Southern Cal Trojans, log on to uscfootball.com today for all the latest in Trojan football, basketball, and recruiting news. Ryan Abraham will give you an in-depth analysis, recruiting updates, and will answer your questions every day on the message board. So for all the latest in team and recruiting news on your USC Trojans, check out uscfootball.com, the officially licensed Southern Cal site of the Rivals.com network. It's time to get back to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Welcome back to the Peristyle Podcast, our third and final segment. We're going to talk some recruiting with uscfootball.com recruiting analyst Gerard Martinez. What's up, Gerard? Man, I'm just uh, whew, long week, long couple of weeks, and I'm um, looking forward to this uh, press conference here at 4 p.m., and seeing uh, if there's a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel, or we got a little ways to go here. I'm not sure yet. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a lot. It's been crazy. I mean, if for everyone on uscfootball.com, we got a lot of uh, emails and a lot of posts on the message boards thanking us for all the hard work. And certainly, I mean, that's why we're here. We're trying to get you the latest and greatest information. And uh, that's you know, I think hopefully everyone felt that we did a good job. Thank you for everyone that that reached out and said thank you to us. You know, we we did work hard this last week or so, and it'll keep going especially for you, Gerard, all the way up until signing day the next three weeks. And now signing day is all that much more interesting with a whole new staff in place. It is more interesting. We'll have to see kind of what the evaluation is of the current commitments first. And I think that's already been underway. Um, You know, you're going to get Ed Ergeron, you're going to get Monty Kiffin, you're going to get Lane Kiffin coming in and, and looking at the commitments that USC has and, you know, seeing if all those guys are guys that they want. I mean, Technically, the offers stand uh, from the, pra- the past uh, the coaching staff, but you never know. I mean, these kind of things, things can change. Uh, there's going to be new targets, guys that uh, the coaching staff from Tennessee, Lane and those guys, liked and targeted when they were there in Tennessee, and they might want to bring them over to USC. We're already hearing a little bit about that kind of stuff. So it's really the recruiting part of it. There's a lot to shake out there. I mean, at this point, I think the coaching staff is just trying to be built they're trying to tie up loose ends. They're announcing who the actual assistants are. That still remains to be seen. Uh, Norm Chow, is he going to be the offensive coordinator at USC, or is he going to remain the offensive coordinator at UCLA? Uh, what's going to go on with Tim Davis? What's going to go on with Pat Rule? What's going to go on with Jethro Franklin? We even hear that you know, maybe he may, may be obtained within the staff to some degree. So it's all, you know, at this point, they got to build the football program that's here and now before they can get into the future. But it's coming because there's only a couple weeks left until signing day. Yeah, three weeks from today until signing day. And the, the staff is apparently meeting at Heritage Hall today. The press conference is at 4 o'clock, but the new and old staff are supposed to meet at Heritage Hall. So we probably will have a little bit more information 
later on in the day about that. But some of the big name recruits out there, that I, I think maybe the biggest name, Kyle Prater, the you know big wide receiver from Illinois outside the Chicago area, was emotionally distraught when Pete Carroll left. You, you could see him on the Army All-American broadcast uh, on NBC. He just looked really upset, didn't want to talk about things. I know you got a chance to touch base with him a little bit. What's his status there? His status is that he's committed. Um, he's pumped up about the Kiffin offer. He actually went and uh, visited Tennessee uh, earlier this week, coming from San Antonio. And um, right now, I mean, he says he's old Trojan. He's 100%. He's going to enroll Monday. And that's a huge get. I mean, that's really, as I said before, you know, first you have to analyze and evaluate the talent that is already committed. And looking at it from a standpoint is, you know, who are the guys that we feel fit in with this new program, this new scheme, this, these new ways of, of coaching that are going to come in with Lane Kiffin. Um, and then it's a matter of getting those guys and keeping those guys that you have and that you like. And Kyle Prater was obviously on the top of the list. And to get him, five-star guy from out of state, that really, I mean, he was one of the guys that really was angry, I think, at, at the, the situation with Pete Carroll. I mean, he was put in a bad place. He was in San Antonio playing an Army All-American game, and he had his furniture, all his stuff was moved out ahead of him to his dorm. And he was flying to uh, Los Angeles from San Antonio. And all of this erupted literally a day before he was going to do this. And so, you know, he was in a bad situation, and I completely understand, you know, just his emotion and, and the feelings going on. But, um, you know, I guess this hire, uh, I don't think he's been in contact with the new coaches yet, but um, he feels pretty good about it. He likes Lane Kiffin, and he said that uh, he's going to give us a little more details here at the end of the week, but he said right now that uh, he's ready to enroll Monday. Okay, one, one guy I want to give a little shout-out to, uh, defensive back Demetrius Wright. Uh, in all the chaos that was going on there, and you could see Baxter, Prater, a lot of the guys at the Army All-American game that were going to become you know, USC Trojans were, were upset. You know, and you talked about that a little bit. Demetrius Wright went on national TV, committed to USC, even though it looked like Pete Carroll wasn't going to be there. How important was that? I mean, I think he's going to be a USC fan favorite for a long time to come just because he had the courage to step up and say, I still want to go to USC, Pete Carroll or not. Well, he exemplifies a commitment to a school and not necessarily a person or a group of people. Uh, he likes USC. He's grown up a USC fan. It's his dream school. He has a, a towel that he wears uh, to all his games. That uh, It's funny because, you know, during the recruiting process, he turned it inside out. So it just looked like a white towel that he had, you know, on his hip, and then he played in the games just to keep his hands dry and whatnot. And when he turned it inside out or it fell out, you saw that it was actually an SC towel. So he's been a USC fan for a long time. And I guess it just came, you know, when Brendan Carroll talked to him, really pushing the fact that, you know, you grew up a USC Trojan fan and not a USC Pete Carroll fan. You, you were a USC fan before even Pete Carroll was at USC. And that was big, and, and you think you got to give a lot of credit to Brennan Carroll for just putting that across to him. And he was on the phone room the night before this announcement. And, you know, we had talked to Demetrius, and at that point I think he was just not really ready to make a decision and announcement. He was uh, hesitant. You could see he wanted to go to USC. He wanted to get it over with. That was where he wanted to be. But at the same time, with so much going on, and in that situation, it's really difficult because you have so many recruits, so many highly touted players with so much hype, and the access to other coaches at that point is really easy because you have guys that are committed to other schools that are in each other's ear, and all you need is to go you know, down the hallway and say, hey, 
uh, can uh, I get the number for such and such? Can you call uh, this coach at, at this school? And bam, you're on the phone with them. So it was really one of the worst times, one of the worst situations USC recruiting could have had uh, with all those guys in San Antonio at the Army All-American game uh, with just so much access to other coaches. And, you know, immediately when that news broke that Pete Carroll might be going to Seattle, just, you know, it was just even a, a thought. You know those phones were ringing off the hook. But Demetrius sat down. He thought about it. He was hesitant, uh, went to sleep, woke up the next morning, decided, yeah, he wanted to go to USC. And like you said, it, it took some courage. It took a leap of faith that um, – you know, he, it was going to be the school that, that he's been dreaming of, you know, for you know, most of his life and to play football there. And, and I think that definitely set a precedent to a lot of other kids there. Uh, but, you know, again, it was one step. I think Kyle Player is probably that next step where other kids are looking and going, well, you know what, he's going to make that leap, and he's coming from out of state. And he was one of the most, you know, vocally – or at least emotionally distraught of the committee recruits. Uh, now he's going to jump on board. You know, it's going to it's going to be good. It's going to create some momentum for him. Now, whether it's you know going to get guys like Baxter and completely solidify that class as it was, you know, that remains to be seen. Yeah, there's still a lot left. I mean, Robert Woods is another five-star guy that came out and uh, reaffirmed his commitment to USC. The local kid from Sarah High School. What have you heard from Baxter? I mean, it, it seemed like he was kind of leaning towards coming back to USC, but it's not 100% yet or anything. He's not decommitted. Um, he really liked Pete Carroll. Uh, that was just the thing. He, he really felt like that was a big factor in, um, in committing to USC originally. And, again, we talk about, you know, these kids being lifelong Trojan fans, and, you know, it's not the USC Pete Carrolls, it's USC Trojans. Uh, and he, I think originally – was just very disappointed that he didn't hear it from the coaching staff first. And that's something that you hear a lot with all these coaching changes. It just doesn't happen like that. The coaches very rarely contact their team or recruits to say, hey, I'm moving on elsewhere. Uh, I hope you guys, you know, stick with the school. Good luck. It didn't happen like that. And I, and I think there was some expectation that Pete Carroll or someone on the coaching staff would get a hold of him right away. He's been committed to USC publicly for about three years. He's been committed to USC for really four years since he was a freshman. Um, he took that to heart. And, and he's, I think, still kind of dealing with that a little bit. And the uh, hurt that, you know, Pete Carroll's not going to be there and it's going to be a little different situation for him. And he's got to figure that situation out. I think he's got to, you know, talk to the new coaches get a feel for what the new scheme is going to be, if it's going to be a new scheme at all, you know, what the offense is going to look like, how it's going to be look like in the offense. I mean, there was some talk about him playing some, maybe some wildcat, um, you know, being in the slot. Uh, there's a lot of those kind of things that these guys have to look at. Uh, a guy like Robert Woods was completely unfazed by the situation, which just, I mean, almost surprisingly unfazed because this was a guy that a lot of people talked about uh, being very interested in UCLA. Uh, when it happened, even the night after, he said, you know, I'm still committed to USC. We're going to wait and see what happens. Uh, I want to talk to the coaches, but he was very even keel. You know, he didn't jump to conclusions. He didn't get really emotional about it. Talked to Ken Norton Jr., who's no longer going to be on the staff. He sounds like he's going to Seattle uh, with Pete Carroll. Talked to Ken Norton Jr. the day after, and that was it. You know, he was done. He talked about why, you know, he committed to USC and why he liked USC and the other factors that are involved in all this outside the coach. 
and that was done. You know, he, after that, he said, you know, he's, he's 100% committed, and uh, he was throwing up his fight on uh, when Demetrius Wright was uh, announcing uh, his, uh, his commitment to UFC on national television uh, during the All-Star game, and has been solid since then. So, you know, that's, that's kind of the different extremes, and I think with Dylan Baxter right now, I feel like, you know, it's, 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 it's a good chance he ends up back at USC. I think that's kind of the feeling right now. Um, he has been in touch with some of the old coaches at this point and some of the players on the team. So he's reached out and he's, and he's you know, kind of talked it out a little bit. And I think the last time I talked to him, which was not last night, I think the night before, um, he was just kind of like, we'll wait and see. Um, there's, there's other reasons I like USC. Pete Carroll is a big factor, so he's just kind of uh, he's taking it day by day a little bit and kind of seeing what's happening. All right. Well, we had a bunch of questions, and I apologize. We're not going to be able to get to a lot of them <clears throat> Excuse me, this week, but a lot of them were pre, you know, they, they were sent in before this all went down, so they're kind of, a lot of them are irrelevant. But for Ali, he wanted to know, or Ali, I'm sorry, uh, wanted to know about the recruiting visits this weekend. I mean, there's some big names like uh, – you know, Lake Seastrunk and uh, Christian Jones and stuff, they're supposed to come in uh, this weekend to visit USC. Has anything changed? I know this is a fluid situation and there's a lot going on, but what have you heard about the visits for this weekend? It is uh, a very um, fluid situation. And, and at this point, I said, they kind of have to figure out what the staff is going to be. And I think, you know, that's kind of the priority is just the football-wise within the program. Um, but they're going to have visits from what I understand. I mean, there's still some visits uh, ready to go. Um, DJ Morgan is coming in this weekend. He's committed and um, probably going to stay committed. You know, he's he's really on that side, leaning towards staying a Trojan. He, like Dylan Baxter, he's been a Trojan for a long time. Um, so he was going to take some official visits. Sounds like now he's comfortable with the situation. Doesn't know a lot about Lane Kiffin, so he's kind of waiting to see what happens. And I think, you know, this visit uh, this weekend is going to do a lot. I mean, it, it will solidify it, um, hopefully, you know, for USC. If it doesn't, then all of a sudden, you know, there's going to be some red flags that go up. Um, but uh, so he's going to come in this weekend. Christian Jones is still scheduled to come in this weekend, linebacker from Winter Park, Florida. Uh, it would be really huge if USC could get their foot in the door with him. A lot of people think he's going to Florida State, um, but he was being recruited by Tennessee as well, so it's kind of interesting to see the overlap. He had that interest in USC before, and he had interest in Tennessee. Do the two combined sort of uh, give USC even a greater chance at landing him? Uh, Hayes Pollard, last we heard, he was still scheduled to come in officially this weekend, linebacker from Crenshaw High School. Uh, the two Lakewood kids we think are going to come in officially uh, this weekend. Dion Bailey the safety, and Jesse Scroggins, the quarterback. Uh, both those guys seem pretty solid. Um, it may be just an unofficial visit. We're just still trying to figure out whether they're going to come in officially or unofficially. From what we understand, there's going to be quite a few of the commitments uh, coming in unofficially Friday and Saturday and just hanging out and getting to know the staff, which is very important. Like I said, they, the staff have to evaluate some of these guys and get a feel for them um, because they may not have recruited some of these guys at all. So they want to at least meet them and kind of see, you know, do we do we still want to bring these guys in, or you know, is there is there any going to be any kind of different change or feel, uh, clash of personalities? Um, Giovanni DiPaolo is scheduled to come in this week for his official visit. He says he's 
officially decommitted at this point. He didn't want to be listed as a commitment to USC without really knowing the situation with the coaching staff. Um, again, Pat Rule and, and Tim Davis and these other names for offensive line coaches that have been out there. Uh, that needs to be solidified, I think, um, before DePaulo really makes a decision. But he's leaning, I think, towards coming back to USC and staying with USC. He's got some other visits that might happen, but this visit this this weekend for USC will be very important. Um, Dietrich Riley is still scheduled to come in, uh, one of the bigger uh, – really the bigger targets that USC is going after. He's a uh, 6'1", about 200-pound safety from La Cunada St. Francis High School. Excellent player, one of the best players in California. Um, seems like he's excited about the Lane Kiffin hire, uh, but again, you know, he's kind of got to get to know the staff and get around them, and um, it's going to just be one of those things. I, I could definitely see the coaching staff looking to grab some commitments this weekend and make a splash. I mean, it just seems to be kind of that M.O. with Lane Kiffin and, and Ed Ergeron. Those guys want to make a statement. They want to let uh, America know that uh, they're here, they're going to be a recruiting juggernaut as well as a juggernaut on the field. Um, we have kind of some to-be-determined visits that were scheduled. We're not sure if they're going to still happen. Waco, Texas, four-star defensive back Ahmad Dixon, who was actually being recruited as a weak side linebacker by USC, he was being recruited by Ken Norton. Doesn't look like Ken Norton's still going to be on the staff, so we'll wait and see if that happens. Uh, Denver, Colorado, uh, we have a, a three-star linebacker, uh, Nuka, who's um, really, uh, you know, he's kind of a last-minute, doesn't have a scholarship offer. Brian Schneider actually went to Mullen High School where he's at and uh, just kind of talked to him a little bit. Sounded like they were going to get a visit planned. But that's one that, I mean, that's really a tough one to figure out because he doesn't really have a scholarship offer yet, but they're trying to get him on a visit. You know, there's a new staff. People want to recruit him still. We don't know yet. Um, same kind of goes true for Lakewood uh, linebacker Jim Hunscott, um, or Hemsuit. Kind of don't know how to pronounce his last name. I've heard it different. I've heard it pronounced differently by different people. Um, I've always called him Hemshoot, but I've heard Hemscott as well. Uh, but Joe is, you know, like a, a 6'1", 200, 205 pound, weak side linebacker, really hot recruit at the end here towards, um, you know, really after the season he picked up. His highlight tape went out. Um, you know, he's had his coaches kind of pushing him a little more, got offers from Oregon, Oregon State, Stanford, uh, Colorado, and real smart kid. You know, he's got, you know, like a 3.9 GPA. But, again, one of those guys that doesn't have a scholarship offer, but USC wanted to bring him in. They wanted to evaluate him in person, and I think they did that with Brian Schneider, but now Brian Schneider's not on the staff. He's going to Seattle. Again, another guy to be determined, scheduled to come in for January 15th, but you know, we're just going to have to wait and see. It is a fluid situation. All right. And then one last one from Justin, uh, one of the committed receivers for Tennessee, Markeith Ambles. Um, what, what, what about him? Do you think the staff is going to try to bring him on to USC, try to get him to decommit from Tennessee? Well, he's probably decommitted from Tennessee at this point. It's going to be difficult uh, to tell. I mean, it's, it's, it's weird because USC has a nice receiver class right now. It may depend on what happens with Dylan Baxter to some extent. Uh, Marquis Ambles was very, very high in USC, um, you know, over the spring. And USC at some point just really kind of stopped recruiting him. Um, over the May evaluation period, they just backed off of him. And uh, he was supposed to come out to the Rising Stars camp, and that was canceled. And so they parted ways at that point. From, from you know, then on over the summer, he ended up committing to Tennessee. Now it seems like he definitely likes the coaching staff and he's a little more hesitant about Tennessee, made contact with USC, kind of reached out to see if they would, you know, recruit him and, and, you know, kind of bring back that scholarship offer that he had. 
whether that happens or not, again, that's, that remains to be seen. He's, he's, it sounds like he was trying to set up an official visit with USC. Um, you know, he's a really good player. He's a really good player, but uh, this class for USC with receivers is pretty good. <laughs> you've got Kyle Prater, number one receiver in the country. Uh, you've got Robert Woods, number one athlete in the country, who's probably going to play receiver in the slot. Um, and then you've got Dylan Baxter that the previous staff was recruiting as a slot receiver. So you've got three guys. Do you really want to mess that up by trying to bring in a fourth? You know, I guess it just depends on how much Lane Kiffin likes Marquis Tambles and just the situation with those other receivers and if they feel like they can bring in another guy and not necessarily mess up things uh, with the other two or three that they have committed. So that's kind of the situation with him now. Um, it's going to be wait and see. We'll hear more about it uh, as, you know, kind of the next couple of weeks, I think. All right, Gerard. It's going to be a fluid situation all the way up until signing day. So stay tuned. Like hot lava, man. Like yeah. hot lava. <laughs> Check check out uscfootball.com. Gerard's got a great uh, hot board up there of all the recruits and kind of what the latest with each one of those are. So we'll be updating all the committed guys, all the guys that could be committing or are still considering USC. So check it out. Gerard is tirelessly on the site doing all kinds of stuff. You've been working nonstop. I mean, you did the whole week of the All-Star game, and then this <laughs> stuff broke. Yeah. So you haven't really had a break in a couple of weeks now. No, no. San Antonio was, you know, that's just nonstop work, hitting practice and doing the various events that they have down there with all those kids. And it was a huge year just with USC targets down there. There was probably 15 kids on the west side alone that were guys that were looking at USC. And, and, uh, and you know, it's just – and now it's just – I wouldn't say they, they hit the reset button because I think you bring in a staff that's definitely a great recruiting staff. Um, but, you know, kids are going to be three weeks out from signing day – a little cautious and they got to kind of rebuild some things. So it's going to be important for USC to also retain some of the coaches that were on the previous staff. I think if, you know, they can keep guys like Brennan Carroll, who's a recruiting coordinator, um, who obviously knows a lot about, you know, where they were with certain kids and, and their, their, their angles with certain kids and how they were recruiting them. And a guy like Pat Wu, who really had a good rapport going with uh, two big time offensive linemen, Chaz Green, uh, from uh, Tampa Bay, Florida, of a 6'4", 6'5", 290-pound uh, uh, offensive tackle, and the number one, um, well, no longer the number one uh, player in the country. He was the number one player in the country uh, pre the Army All-American game, but now he's uh, slipped down a little bit, but still the number one offensive tackle in the country. Chantrell Henderson, 6'8", 320 pounds, and he, he's a very good player. He, he may have dropped a little bit, but he's definitely the real deal, and uh, we'll see, you know, if, if, if USC is able to, 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 to still, you know, have those guys and, and, and get their interest and get them signed up. Uh, a lot of it may depend on who they retain. And like I said, Tyrell doing a pretty good job there. We'll see if, uh, you know, Lane Kiffin agrees and decides to keep those guys on. You know, Gerard, this is our 100th episode, and we're already almost an hour and 20 minutes. I think it's our longest podcast. But I just thought of one more thing. And since it's the 100th episode, people were emailing me, just go long. It doesn't matter. One last question, Gerard. Is that cool? Yeah, sure. Hey, we'll be, we, hey, do 100 questions for the 100th episode. I, I don't care. <laughs> you said that the, the old number one player in the country, the new number one player in the country, the Rivals 100, was shifted around a little bit. Ronald Powell is now the number one player. He was the MVP of the Army All-American game, committed to Florida with Ed Orgeron in place. Do you think this gives USC a chance to keep Ronald Powell in state and go to USC? Slightly. Um, I think he's pretty solid going to Florida. Um, I think that was a big move for him, and getting him to decommit from Florida is, is going to be tough. Um, but I'll tell you one thing. Ed Erdron is not going to stop trying. <laughs> There's no way that they're not going to 
just push for an official visit, I think, at the least. You know, they're, they're going to go after him. I, I, and I can say that without knowing uh, or really talking to Ron or, or, or knowing what the coaching staff is doing. I, I just can tell you that, you know, Edwards Ron is just tireless. And now he's in this situation and his eyes are probably just lit up thinking, you know, hey, man, you know, we're at Tennessee. We didn't have a great program in terms of wins and losses. And it was probably a battle there with a lot of those other SEC schools. Uh, he comes out here at USC's dominance, and he, he wants to get rolling. And I'm sure, you know, Ronald Powell being the number one player in the country, local kid, Southern California, um, he's going to go after him. But it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. Like I said, there's only, you know, it's three weeks till signing day. And um, there's a lot of issues that would have to be resolved with that situation. Um, but like I said, they're going to try. They'll go after it. So, we'll, you know, stay tuned to uscfootball.com because we'll keep you updated on the whole situation. We certainly will. Well, Gerard, thanks very much for, again, being part of the 100th episode. And we'll, uh, I'll see you down on campus a little bit later, but I'll talk to you next week. Yeah, one-on-one. I'll be there for one-on-one. Awesome. Okay, everyone else, thank you very much. This is the Peristyle Podcast. Thank you for our 100th episode, and we will talk to you next week. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.